It's 4 p.m. Stand up. It's count time. It's time for every man and woman to stand up and be counted. I'm Brother L.D. Azobra. I'd like to welcome you to another edition of Count Time Podcast. And we out here in the in the country today, on countryside, on this beautiful, almost one mile landscape out here, with, a, with this young man who has so much history, so much insight. And I met him several, about a month or so ago, and I asked, could I interview him? Because uh, I thought he had such a wonderful, wonderful story. I have Mr. Roosevelt Gibson. Welcome to Count Time. Good afternoon. Name is Rose, First Sergeant Roosevelt B. Gibson, Sr. Uh, I was born July 6, 1941, in Boucher, Louisiana. Uh, spelled Boucher, but they pronounce it Bush, Louisiana. So it's Boucher. Right. B-U-E-C-H-E. C-H-E. So I thought that was Bush. That's what, I, that's what everybody yeah. else said. Yeah, well, uh, it, uh, it, if you pronounce it Boucher in Petois, uh, French, uh, around uh, Canada, it means boogeyman. Boogeyman? Yeah, but if you say Boish, it means just enough in, uh, in Cajun French. Well, I guess that would, I, I, I would have to think boogeyman would be more appropriate out here in these woods. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm out here in the woods. Yeah, the, I mean, you said they got bears back here, right? Yes. Yeah, uh, we have the Munganza bears come through here sometimes, especially when, when the river is up. Now, now what part, this is a Punkapee Parish? Uh, no, Punkapee is about a mile over okay. uh, toward the north there. Okay, well, what parish are we in? Right uh, this is West Baton Rouge. Are you still in West Baton Rouge? Still in West Baton Rouge. This, yes, indeed. <laughs> it's, but it really is beautiful landscape out here. Beautiful uh, homes out here. I'm surprised. And this lovely home that you got that you said that you redid it yourself. Yes, I did. uh, Renovated and everything. Beautiful cypress wood, uh, cedar wood. Very rustic. Rustic. Now, you you didn't learn that up up here in Bush. No, no, no. Rustic is... Like that table, I build all of this stuff. You build, you build almost everything in your. And this, this what this is your man cage. Yeah, this is my man cage. Until the bear shows up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it really is a beautiful, beautiful home. I, I like what you've done in your stair. Your staircases are very, very unique, yeah, yeah. and I like that. Yeah, like Pecket cypress. Got. What is that? Pecket cypress. So, so you you know what you got in your yeah, house? Yeah. Uh, so what's there between cypress and pecket cypress? A uh, pecket cypress is. It has the little scars in it. It's uh, what happens when you cut a when you cut a uh, harvest a cypress tree and you let it lay in the wood for a while. Everywhere air gets into that wood, it's going to rot. And whenever you mill it, you see the rotten part. You just scrape that out, and you have the little holes in it, like on this table here at the bottom down there. Right. So. And, uh, and people buy that now, like Mike Anderson restaurant. You see that picket cypress up there. And uh, it, you, they used to give it away. Now it's very expensive. Got a value to it now. Yes, indeed. Because it's unique in a lot and, of ways. And uh, many years ago, I started collecting it, and that's what I use. Now, how, how did you go about collecting the cypress? Well, uh, this guy, he and I used to go uh, in the bayous, and he had his truck, and he had a boat with a lift. And we had this guy, he had dived down and wrapped the cable around the submerged logs. 
and they'll bring it up and drag it in and put it on a truck and bring it over here and mail it. Now, hold on. Now, now. They do that. On, they, they show that on television now. Yes. They got little shows that show people, you know, go and get Cypress. Yeah. So you're telling me y'all was doing that with? Yeah. Uh, we had a, a special guy to, you know, we'll uh, probe for. Yeah, but, how, but how, long, how, how long it go y'all was doing that? Well, uh, the guy that I used to work with, he's dead now, but uh, I dated for about 14 years with him, a man named Mr. Cook. He used to be a, a ferry boat driver, you know, and he also used to drive, uh, push these little tugboats. So he knew a lot of places where a lot of trees was cut down, oh, yeah. and they'd stay in the water so long, and they just, uh, they'd be underwater. That's, called, that's what's called waterlogged. Yes, yeah. but Cypress... It's hard to rot. Cypress, it, it'll get old and gray, but uh, you could just mill it and it'd be just like new wood. No, no. If you take a planer and cut it down by 118 or 116 of an inch. But, you, but you talk, you're talking like everybody carpenters. Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah I, I'm, a, I'm a craftsman. I love to work with wood. I can tell you got some yeah. beautiful, beautiful yeah, wood yeah. in here. Now let, let, let's go, now you grew up in this area. Well. Uh, no, I left here. I was born here, um, right down the street, and uh, my uh, I would live with my grandparents. Most of the people in this area was from Haiti. Was from Haiti? Yeah, right. In, in this part of Louisiana? Yes. West Baton Rouge. Well, they came down the Acadian Trail. Uh, they didn't come down. They didn't come over in uh, in uh, uh, Florida. Then now, they now, came around Corpus Christi. Now, 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 where was the Acadian Trail? Acadian Trail is mostly like uh, 190, Eunice, Mamou, places like that. In, uh, uh, so that was, the, that was part of Acadian Trail? Uh, Acadian, Acadian Trail. Acadian Trail. Yeah. Okay. Now, Acadian, the word Acadian is, is uh, American Canadian, okay? okay. Uh, the people, the Cajuns came from uh, right between America and uh, Canada. That was a there was a neutral area there. And when the French ran, took all the men and sent them to uh, Nova Scotia, and they left the, the women in Canada, okay? So the people between Canada and America, they were mostly, they looked more darker like Indians. Well, they came down a Lewis and Clark expedition down this way there, and this way they start trapping around this area. So they call them American Canadian, Acadian. But, they, but they're, they're not uh, Cajuns, though. Yeah, the, well, the Cajun came from Nova Scotia. Those are, those are lighter skin, with rank, very wrinkle and light-skinned people. So, but, but you're talking about there were people who was a, I hate to use the word of color, but there was people of what? A more Indian, they had Indian in them. More, more okay, but, but yeah. Indian, Indian is just the word, Indian is just short for the word indigenous. Yeah, so no. you say they were, they were, they were the original people of the land. Then. Yeah, like the Mohawk and people like that. Okay, they, uh, so you, you know what tribe you came, your people were? Well, uh, no, my people came from uh, Haiti. From Haiti. Uh, but they were just slaves, Africans. Okay. Oh, okay. And, and when Toussaint Overture, and uh, they had a revolt, I think, in late 1700. Yeah. And they started killing their masters, and then they went over in Dominican Republic across the mountains, and they killed all the Dominicans. Then um, Persian took the American soldiers, 
and it took the French soldiers and some people from uh, from uh, uh, England, and they conquered those uh, uh, Toussaint Overture and his yeah. tribe, you know, people. Right. And uh, they took all the gold and put it in Fort Knox, around forty billion dollars. That's where that's where all the gold came out of. Yeah, out of Haiti, and they left them there. See, because the Haitian people, they kill all their masters. The Haitians are the only people that ever freed themselves. And they were, they were the most feared right now in Florida. You hear policemen shooting uh, people in Florida. As a matter of fact, every time the Haitians get in a boat to come over, they send them back. Yeah, because they know that, uh, you know, I have a lot of Haitian blood in me. And I, I was raised up with the Haitians. They... Uh, they're fighters. They're warriors. Yeah, they're warriors. They, they, uh, they, in, in Haitian, they always say, Buku Kase, you know, a, a lot of, a lot of kill, I'll kill you, you know. That's what they are. You can speak uh, Haitian or um, French, Creole? My, my grandmother, to answer your question, I, not, a, I, I understand a lot of it. Because I was raised with it, I was born with it. But what, what y'all call it? Y'all call it French or Creole? No, we call, no Creole is a custom. It's not a race. Right. Um, we call it patois. Patois. I yeah. heard that several times. Yeah. So, so it, it, it's a broken Napoleonic type French, but they put a lot of words in it. Like if I say I love you in French, je vous j'aime beaucoup. But if I say I love you in Haitian, mon ami toi veux. Or if I go around Canada and I say I love you, je t'aime. See? You can speak, you speak three different. Oh yeah, I speak a lot of. That's pretty good. Je parle beaucoup français. You know, my my great grandfather Jerome de they used to spell it D E capital D E capital Q U E de Quee. De Quee, not de Queer. Not de Queer. De Queer came after the eighteen around late eighteen hundred. When the, when the people they call Creole, and that word come from a, uh, come from a Portuguese word, Corurio. So they changed it to Creole because when the Creoles came with their fathers from France to New Orleans, then what happened, people started snatching them. They said, pra. They started snatching them and putting them with the American slaves and selling them. So what they did, they went to the French Quarter in that area, there are night war and places like that, and they started their own thing. So these people here, which was mulatto, they was the one, the slave master's children, okay. but yet they was, they was blanc, you know, passe. So they, they changed, they say passe blanc, they passed for white. So what they did, they took the, first, the second and third cousin and they put them together. They, they, they stayed that complexion there. There you go, yeah. Oh, okay. To save the, the complexion. So this went on up until the 60s. Right, I mean, that, that's, that was in my area where I grew up. And I, we saw yeah, that. because what happened during the 60s, you know, everything started changing. In the 50s, they tried to get the Lincoln Theater where the Passé Blanc sat at the top and the Passé Noir, the one passed for black, they sat at the bottom. It's See? At the Lincoln Theater, yeah, the Bad Rouge. But they would, yeah, but they wouldn't let them do it. Doctor Butler had the Lincoln Theater there. 
Now, in this area here, before Claire Bush and Rena Bush and them started a plantation, this place was called Yatan. So Bush, now Bush Road is a long street. That's a road. That's yeah. really. Well, see, so, it was named after Clarence Bush. Who was people. Clarence Bush? They owned the plantation over here. You see. So what? So it was the it was the Bush plantation. I yeah, think. yeah. Now my my three uh, three generation of my people worked for them, Clarence Bush, Rena Bush, and all those people. They used to work for had a store right down the street there. But what, what, what and you said something about Jerome the 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 queen. Yeah. Okay. Now no, he worked for the for. No, no. Uh, his his granddaughter. See, um, my grand the queen Jerome the queen was my great grandmother's uh, daddy. His wife was Josephine the queen. Okay. Now, now where were they from? Both of them came from Haiti. Hey, okay. So, but. What Jerome did when they brought him, see, they, they used to work on the plantation. It was craftsmen. That's where I learned a lot of my craftsmen from. So what happened when the, when the Haitians started killing all of the masters, they was killing the house in too. You see? And that was my people were. They didn't take a chance, yeah, huh? That was my people. They was the house in, you know? Okay. So, you know what I'm talking about. Okay. But, but anyway. <laughs> yeah. We're going to go ahead and say it. They, they was considered the house niggas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah so, so we got that out the way. Then, so they right? had to leave. Because if they didn't, the Haitian would cassette. They was, they was going to kill yeah, them too. Yeah, they would kill them too. Because they so, think you're going to protect so, your master. So Josephine, she came with the LaFrance. What's that? The LaFrance from, from Haiti. And they came down a couple of Christmas. That's where they landed because she kept the children. Jerome Queen, you know, he came with the Dequees, okay? So what happened when he came here, that's when the Civil War broke out. So he's talking about 1865? You know, well, well, before that, but he was, he was a slave. So when the Civil War broke out, all so, the slaves. But he came here with his master. Yeah. To yeah, before oh, okay. the Civil War. Okay, then. But when the Civil War broke out, he was about 18 years old. So what he did, he changed his name to Valdry, from Dequee to Valdry. You know, and they got some Valdry here that are very rich. Yeah, they got some rich Valdry's over yeah, here. You see that big house down there? Warren Valdry. Yeah, yeah, he, he lived in California. Yep, and a brother. But. They won't accept us because. Oh, wait, hold on, you got to start some trouble now. <laughs> because we don't have the money that he have. He have all our rights around here. That that Valdry man from California, and he have a sister. They got a big house they build over here by Falls River also. Uh -huh. You know, but the okay. So what did the Queen? Uh, you got Rugan over here, and you got Bush over here. So. The Passé Blanc, when they get ready to party, they call their friends the door. That's what you say, party. <laughs> they they go over there in uh, Rougon, if you will, Passé Blanc, light skin. Okay. Okay, when you pass a white, that's what it means. But over here, over here you party, uh, the Passé Noir, who pass for black, they party over on this side. They couldn't go over there because they wasn't light enough, you see. Now I had a, an Aunt Victoria 
that was very fair-skinned. She could go over to uh, Rugan in a party, but but her, her, my dad and my grandfather and them couldn't go because they, they took the color after their, their mama, you see. So that's the way it was. But here's the thing that happened. If you go around Lafayette, Bow Bridge and place like that, and you see the the uh, the the passé blanc, the the the, mix, the uh, light skinned people. They uh, call themselves Creole, uh -huh. which is not a race; it's a it's a custom. Yeah. When they get about 20, 25, 30 years old, they uh, they turn kind of uh, you know their mind is, is messed up. You see a lot of them. Uh, got, uh, mental, got mental issues. Yeah. Because they they interbreed with each other. You know a lot of that too. <laughs> That's what happened. Yeah, they married each other. Yeah, family members. Yeah, now it takes five generations to breathe that out of your blood, and and uh, they just kept mixing with each other. You know the Laduffs. Well, yeah, the Laduffs, the the uh, uh, the Pichets, the uh, the uh, the queer, the uh, but most of you like the Toussaint, the Richard. Now you got some of them go record, they'll mix. They mix with each other, record. But the Richard, they, they say Richard, but it's Richard if it's the last name. The Tossant, like Fats Domino. That, that, not two cent, you call them Tossants. Yeah, yeah, I say Tossant, two cent, you know, yeah. you, you, two, you can go both ways. But those people are with Haitian blood, and they, they kept that, see? And, and that's the way, uh, 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 and, and you got so many different different names here that come from Haiti and people don't even realize. Just like um, uh, Tupac Shakur. Tupac Shakur. He was raised, uh, he, he's Haitian. 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 You about yeah. to call Tupac, got Tupac gold, he can't speak Yeah, yeah, he's gone. <laughs> See, but let me, the thing is, you don't hear no police shooting no Haitians in the back in Florida. Because they don't go in their area. They don't even mess with the Haitians. Yeah. Il est batté, you know. What il est batté mean? Pas bon, it's a fight. You know what You know what I'm saying? So you're telling me you're a fighter, you're a warrior. I thought you was a lover. No, no, not. See, when I was coming up, okay, my grandfather would tell me, he said, because my mother, during the war, World War II, she worked out in New Orleans. And what she did, she was married to a, a preacher, Elder Lord. He, he abandoned her for five years with two children. When he came back five years later, she had me. I was one year old. But he said, that's not mine, I can't take him. So he took his other two children, my sister and brother, which was last name was Lloyd. My grandfather and them were sharecroppers over here. They couldn't keep me. So she put me in Blunden Home. You went to Blunden Home? Yeah, with Nehemiah Wilson and, and, and all these guys was there. Leslie. Leslie Scott? Scott. He played ball, I <laughs> think. Basketball and baseball. Yes. Yeah, uh, I was at Blunden with them. You got to be kidding Yeah, me. I stayed in Blunden until I was about four or five years old. And even after they took me out of Blunden, my grandparents them moved from here and came to Baton Rouge so they can get me. And they came in, and that's when they got me. But 
I couldn't go in outside and play with the other kids because the people in the neighborhood would say, hey, stay away from him. He's a Haitian and they believe in voodoo or hoodoo. Voodoo, yeah, the, the yeah. voodoo. That's what they got you. Yeah, they say hoodoo. So the kids would beat me when, you know. They, yeah, so you had you had to fight. Protect yeah, yourself. well, I was too young to, to really know what I was fighting now, 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 let's go. Very few people know what Blunden Home was or is. Tell, yeah. tell, give us some history of Blunden Home. Okay, Blunden, Blunden Home was for orphanage kids, you know. Right now they call them uh, uh, false. They call Foster, them false. Yeah. Foster, Foster. But then they used to put them in Blunden Home, in uh, why the parents work, you know. So and then they had a school there. So my first schooling was in Blunden, but by being raised by my grandmother and my great grandmother lives across the street, they quilt. They spoke patois. They didn't speak English. They never spoke English. My grandfather, when he came home, my grandmother would speak English. So all I knew how to do, you know, they'll be working and they wanted some water. They say, Garçon, Dolo s'il vous plaît. You know, boy, bring me some water if you please. <laughs> okay. And I react to it. Okay. But I couldn't talk to them because kids didn't talk to grand to older, older old people. people. Yes. You know, so here I was with nobody to talk to. So I always had a dog. I couldn't play with the kids, so I was always with a dog. So you couldn't even go outside. Couldn't play. I would. I hang on the fence, and watch the kids play. Because yeah. if you went out there, you, there was a fight. They, they would beat my butt. They would cuss me my queen. And why would they beat you? Yeah, because you know, uh, I was different for them. To but you, them. you look like everybody else. Yeah, yeah, but you know, they hear their parents talk. That boy over there, he's he with the devil, <laughs> you know. Oh, yeah, because that, that hoodoo. Yeah, voodoo yeah, hoodoo. Yeah, he, he might take a chicken and put some chicken blood on you. <laughs> <laughs> now, was the lady, I forgot her name, who's Miss Miss so, Blunden, was she still alive at uh, that time? Uh, um, uh, it was a black lady there and a white lady, okay? That ran it? Uh, it was a black lady there and a white lady that uh, over Blunden, you know. And I'm, I'm trying to. I'm trying to remember her name, but it was, you know, it's been so long, I can't, I can't re remember. But you was only there up to about five years of age? No, I, I stayed there about three because, you know, I stayed there about three, and, but I went to, went to school there, so that's how I... Oh, oh you, you lived in, now, now where was the Blunder home located, the one that it, you On McKinley to? Street. Oh, so it's the one on McKinley when you yeah. Because the they original got, one was was uh, downtown. Yeah. yeah, they have apartments now there. Right, they got they tore yeah. it. Yeah, it became a church. Uh, Brad, uh, Pastor Bradford bought the property, built the church, turned it into a church. Then he sold it to some people, and they they turned around and sold it three times as much, and built those apartment complex right yeah. there on uh, Alaskan and McKinley. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> McKinley Street. So when I was a little boy. I would go to my teacher and I'd say, Madame, that coulie, uh, 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 la mer, civil play. You know, uh, Madam, I need to go use the toilet. Uh, you know, I need to party, uh, if you please. And she'll hit me with something and say, Go and sit down. And then I'll have an accident. And, <laughs> okay. and the kids would start, Oh, Roosevelt, you know, you know. Oh, you know. that was hard on yeah. you then. And they was, she would say, Go home. So here I am, a little boy, five years old, walking down McKinley Street, going to East Johnson Street, uh, over by where uh, 
Buchanan is right now, Buchanan School. I, I had to walk all the way there by myself. You know, uh, wide leg because I had that stuff on my leg. <laughs> so I, I tell you, hey, I had a rough life. That you know? is rough. Yeah, but when I started, when I made about 13, I started to mixing with the kids then, you know, because I knew how to fight then, you know. I, I, uh, my grandfather would say, hey, uh, she, he'd say, you got to understand, anytime, um, even if you can't beat them, you fight them. You got to fight, you got to protect And he'd say, okay. they'll leave you alone. You get one lick on them, you see that, uh, he going he gonna to say, he going to get on somebody else before they get on you. So that's what I started fighting. But I, I wasn't the type of person that just liked to fight and stuff like that. You know, so you got that Haitian, that, you got that Haitian blood, but you yeah, didn't want to yeah, fight. Yeah, I guess that must have took the one on my, my biological daddy's side, you know, so, because I just didn't. But I, I just didn't like to fight. But but I always believe the Haitian way. Your rendezvous should be met with destiny. Destiny means courage. Okay. Okay. So anything I did, whenever I was in the war. And I hate to talk about it, but when I was in the war and I got into a battle. Now, what, what war? In, well, I went to Dominican Republic in 1965, fought against the uh, Dominican. I mean, you know, uh, during Warren Bush. Remember 1965 when the 82nd Airborne, I was a paratrooper. You was a paratrooper? Yeah. You know. You jumped out of the plane? Yeah. In, the, 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 you hold, now, you was a, now, I didn't know that, Mr. Roosevelt. Yeah. You was a bad boy, I did No, no, I was good. <laughs> they paid you $55 extra. <laughs> That's why, no, I, 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 tell you, I was poor. I needed the money. You going to jump on the plane, I need the money. $55, $55 more, you going to go jump on the airplane. $55 extra a month. <laughs> you put your life at danger with fifty five dollars. Right, you know. So <laughs> then I, I went to I went to uh, Vietnam in nineteen sixty six sixty seven with the one seventy third, and we made Life magazine. We made the only combat jump in Vietnam. Ooh. Then well, I, that, that was a, that was a, what they call all color troop at the time. No, no, you you had white and black troop together. Oh, jump out the plane. Yeah, yeah. Okay, then. Okay, then, it, then I came back to the state, and I had reenlisted. They sent me back to Vietnam, with the, and that's when I had to fight on Hamburger Hill, and that's where I got shot. Oh, you got shot? Yeah. Oh, that's how you got that purple heart? Yeah, that's how I got the purple heart. You, you know, I don't like to talk about that. Bro. Okay, I don't want to bring nothing up. It was rough. It was that was rough, but you, but you yeah. lived. You lived yeah, to, live to talk to it. about it, though. So, but you here to this this day, mm -hmm. and at eighty one year old, looking as youthful as any as 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 anybody I know, yeah. Yeah. and your mind is still, yeah, you know, yeah. strong and vibrant. I know that. I mean, I can't even imagine what that. You know. Well, I mean, you know the thing is, I'm just uh, a lot of people say, you know, you've done a lot. I want to honor God for President Johnson, you know. You was an honor guard? Yeah, there it is over there on that wall over there. Now, 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 what, now what was the role of an honor guard? Uh, you know, where you hold a flag for the president and stuff like that, and inaugural parade and all that stuff. I was, I was in John, President Johnson's inaugural parade. You, you, you was in an inaugural parade? Yeah. 
All I used to hear up until about 13 years old was nothing but uh, 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 patois and uh, backwards English. You know, like uh, my grandmother, she wouldn't say come out of the house. She would say come out in that house and stuff like that. Oh, okay. So when I went to school, uh, and people, these English teachers, I go to English class, I end up, mm. I don't care me. That's the way I used to talk. Right. Uh, instead of saying, I don't know, I would say, I don't know. You know, and stuff, I had this accent. And right now, I can't say road too good, you know, and okay. stuff like it, no matter how I try. It's a lot of things that, if you listen to me, you could tell that I have I still have some of that accent. Oh, you got a lot of it. No, no. <laughs> I, I, lo I lost most of it in the military because people would laugh at me when I say something, and I'll practice not to say it again. See. But but unfortunately, you're as intelligent as smart of a man as you are. You felt inferior because folks laughed at you, right? And not realizing you had an advantage of most people. That's right, because. In, in, I had to work at night to 12 o'clock, JNL truck stop on, on Airline in Hollywood, and I had to go all the way to South Baton Rouge on a bicycle, and then have to go to school the next day. Well, how, how old were you? I was about 15, 16 years old, up until 17, 18, and, uh, I missed a lot of days out of school and stuff like that because I, I go to sleep in the class, miss a lot of the, what they're teaching, and then Presley just told me one day, hey, that's the fourth time you're teaching bro, you sleep in the class. Go home and don't come back. Now, now you was at what school? Uh, I was at Scotlandville then. I was in the ninth grade, and I had to drop out of high school. But guess what? When in the military, I, I volunteered for the draft, not realizing they were going to call me, but I volunteered for the draft so I could work as a longshoreman in Port Allen throwing flower sacks. Longshoreman? Okay. Yeah, long, uh, loading, these, loading these ships with these 50-pound flower sacks at 16 years old, and, and they call us rabbits. They call us rabbits. Because we wasn't in the union, we had just work, you know, because they needed people to load, load these, slip, these ships. So that's what happened. So they called me into the military. And this guy asked me, he said, um, what school you graduated from? I said, I didn't graduate from high school. He said, what? So you're smarter than some people went to college. Because I knew math. Math and science and stuff like that. I knew that English what I didn't know. You know, I wasn't good in English. So what I did, he said, I'll tell you what I'm gonna do. Now this guy here was a white guy from Alabama that hated black boots. He didn't even want to wear a black boot. <laughs> he said, but he knew I was always by myself and a lot of the black guys would be together in a group, uh, you know, just shooting the breeze. And I just, I just stay by myself because they laugh at me when I say things, you know, so I was always by myself. So this guy must say, he, he's a different end, you know, he's not black. He's very humble, you know, and, and uh, tactful. Uh, he's not like these other guys, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to do something for him. Do you remind me of that end? 
at home that I gave my dog to when I left. You know, oh. so so anyway, he sent me to school for six weeks. He sent you to school. He sent me to school. Oh, oh, Alabama. From Alabama. He said his name was Sergeant Hicks. Very prejudiced, but for some reason, he sent me to school. He saw something in you. That's how God works. Huh? That's God. Look, look at God. You know, it had to. You know, why why he do that for me? You know. And uh, I went to school, and they had this teacher, one-on-one. She was married to a black captain. She was black. And I respected her a lot. And she sat there and taught me English and stuff like that, prepositional phrase, you know, double negatives. And, now, now, and, now, what school you went to? It was on base. They, they take... What well, they do? But well, you was in Port Allen, huh? No, no, no. I was in the army. Then. Oh, you was in the army then. Okay. Then. Yeah. Okay, see, okay. see, I dropped out of school. All right. And they draft me into the army. All right. Yeah. So, so that guy, when he met me and he sent me to school, this it was just me and this lady. She taught me, in one on one, a, 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 a. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't that bad. But anyway, in, in a way, um, he said, now, for six weeks, they're going to give you a test. So they got this test, a clip test or something they gave me. I maxed it. And they say, oh, no, 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 no. He couldn't max that. No, nobody could do that. <laughs> so what they did, they gave it to me again. I missed two questions. So they sent it back to Scotlandville. And they sent me my diploma, high school diploma. They sent you the high school diploma? Yeah, yeah. It wasn't a certificate, it was a diploma. And what I did, I started going to school at uh, University of Maryland at night. Because you realized that, oh, mm. I, can, I can do this. Yeah. Now. So your, 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 yeah. Level, your level, uh, your it, encouragement. Yeah, change. You know, and a lot, a lot of these guys, man, we're going out of town, run some holes. What you, you're not going to town? I said, no, I ain't going to town. I must go to school. Oh, school, man. They thought you were crazy. Yeah, you got to be crazy. Uh, uh, and most of them had to went, finish high school, but here I am getting a, going to college. You see what I'm saying? And, and, and I did, you know, that's what I did. So then I came back in 1963. I went to jump school, became a paratrooper. So I say, well, I can get married now. So that's <laughs> so, when I got married. Oh, to, to, okay. To my wife I got now. At that time, you knew you had to take care of yourself. Right. In order to be able to take care of family. Yeah. Well, see, and plus, uh, I went to my wife uh, before I married. I went to a house one time, and her mother cooked some food, and they told me she cooked it. So I said, oh, man, you know what I'm saying? This is what we can cook. Yeah, yeah. This you can cook, huh? Yeah. So, <laughs> the the, 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 the yeah, mind yeah, yeah, Good food. <laughs> anyway, um, I went on to marry her in 63. Then we left and went back to uh, Fort Bragg, North Carolina. Now, 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 what's your wife's name? Karen. Karen Gibson. Karen Gibson. Now, yeah. Now, now where, where is she from? Yeah, she's from, uh, uh, she from Smith Street. She used to live on... Uh, we call that the hill down South Baton Rouge, the hill. You know where Terry Street is? Right. And you got 13th Street, Eddie Robinson Drive. Right. 
Well, that little street they cut in there behind the church. I, I know that. I know that street. You're That's Smith Street. Yeah. Oh, okay then. So and and uh, I married her and took her to North Carolina, and then all of a sudden Vietnam started. Well, Dominican first, and I went and fought against the Cubans. Came from there, and uh, all of a sudden they started sending people to Vietnam. But hold on. But you spoke the same language as the Cubans, basically. No, they speak Spanish, but oh, I understand Spanish. a lot of Spanish too, you know, because it's Latin-like, you know. Right. Yeah, like it, like like if you say work in French is beaucoup travail, and if you say it in Spanish mucho trabajo. See? So it's just a different just a twist yeah, to it. Yeah, 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 they're okay. different. But anyway, um, went to Vietnam, stayed there a year, made that combat jump. And now, now y'all made that combat jump. Uh, y'all was the only regiment? Yeah, uh, it, it was the brigade. Brigade, And we were supposed to be a blocking force. We were supposed to jump two days in front of this, uh, this these VCs to keep them from getting into Cambodia. But we jumped right on them. And we lost 50. We lost about, I think, 50. We lost 50. So they, they, they miscalculated. Yeah, yeah. They, they put y'all right in the enemy camp. They had elephants. They had the gun. They had the elephants and all that stuff. Elephants. Yeah. Well, that's what they were carrying there. They were carrying their uh, supplies. Yeah, supplies. And they had buffalo, water buffalo. We jumped right on them, and we killed two hundred and sixty-six of them. I mean, hard fighting. So you was in, you was in a real combat zone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm scared to death. You know. <laughs> I mean, so soon you land, you got to start shooting. Well, we had our, we, uh, see that, that guy at the bottom of there? That's where you load it down when you jump. Oh, and, and my weapon was in a pack. So you had to take all that out and put, you know. Put it together. Yeah. So, so, so they start, now when you hit the ground, yeah. bullets are flying I already? Mean, they wasn't like from here to you, but they were in the area. I mean, they could see us coming down. But you don't jump, you don't fly as high up as you would in a regular jump. You fly treetop level 500 feet, something like so, that. So we hit to get, get to the ground quicker. Yeah, hit the ground quicker. And you don't have a, we, uh, we didn't have a, a reserve, you know, because it, if you shoot in over, <laughs> your reserve ain't gonna save you because you hit the you're ground. Too close there. Yeah, you're too close. <laughs> so you got, soon you, you had treetop and you got to open your shoot up soon you, soon you jump. Yeah. It, it, so, it, but now, but when you jump, mm -hmm. you got people shooting at you there. Yeah, but see, you're hooked in the plane. You're hooked in the plane uh, with a static line. Okay. And, and when you jump, come out that door, that static line's still hooked in there, and it's pulling that shoot out. Oh, that's what pulled that yeah, shoot out. Yeah, you got some rubber band holding that shoot like a jigsaw, like, and it goes boop, 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 boop. In, in 80 pounds of pressure, you break loose from that, you shoot open. But but you telling me you coming out of, out of the plane and you, there's bullets flying. Oh yeah, yeah, yes indeed. They be shooting at that plane. So do. So when you hit the ground, you got your whole thing now is that I got to load my gun. Got to load your weapon. You can't you can't think about nothing else but protecting yourself. Now, and what they do, they threw you got a band on your arm. Yellow, red, uh, no, not red because they ain't gonna throw red. Uh, you got a yellow, blue, green, and all that stuff. So they throw a green canister, a yellow canister. Say, yellow, I got to go that way. 
Yes, we got symbol over here. And it's so quick. I mean, you're trained. I mean, everybody's so, trained. So you're trained that when you hit that ground, when you see a certain color. Yeah, that's on my arm. I got to get there, no matter what. And anything in front of me is an obstacle. You go through it. It's that simple. Anything in your way is, or is, you is, die. is, is an you enemy. Or you die. You're running on, shoot guys under that dead. Uh, some of them alive. You run, they holler because, you know, they're wounded. You but know? you can't even stop the help. You can't stop them. You got to go. Every man for themselves. Every man for themselves. So they gonna send they gonna send somebody later to come. Yeah, get you. to get a, a medic to come and help them. But you can't. Stop. You got to go to that rendezvous, to that meeting place. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's what that's what it means. Meeting place. You got to go to that meeting place. Well, so, we we say rendezvous. You know. So we are right where you rendezvous. You come yeah. together. Okay? Mm -hmm. but, come but together. Did, did you make it there? Yeah, yeah. But I done broke my seventh rib, fractured it when I hit a tree. See, they don't just find a clear place to drop you. You, <laughs> you, drop, you drop in the trees and everything. Them trees are hundred and some feet, feet high. Well, you're gonna read some. I, I wrote something in there, you, you'll read it. But anyway, uh, when I hit that tree, I thought I just bruised it, you know? And I tied a, I cut, took my knife, because everybody have a knife when you jump. Took my knife and cut something like a strap, and I Took tied it around it real tight. Take the pressure off. Yeah, and uh, and I run and bend over, and I did that for about two days. Then I started feeling a little better, you know. But every time I cough, it hurt for about a week. You know, I, I was messed up. I mean, but that's a you you coming out of playing the force of you moving, and you mm. hit a branch, a tree branch. Well, well, I was. Once I, I was floating down. Yeah, and, but you, but that's yeah, a speed yeah. though. Yeah, know? and then I hit this limb. Boom. And, you know, I just, the adrenaline's flowing. You know, it's just like anything else. You know, it, it, you, don't, you don't realize that you're really hurt until you think it's a bruise. And they didn't find that rib had been fractured until I retired from the military. They, the doctor here, Give me an X-ray and uh, MRI. He said, "Mr. Gibson, you need to come back to the office. We need to talk to you about something." They thought I had cancer, but that was where it had healed. You know, mm. uh, when a bone break, I think you get some kind of something around it. You had that calcium build. Up. Yeah, that's what happened. Came from there and I came back to the state. Fifteen months, we had our first son. Fifteen months later. They put him back on when I was going to Vietnam. I said, I, I just came back and got people haven't gone yet. He said, well, you re-enlisted. You're, uh, you're a career soldier, you got to go back. And I went back there, and when I arrived there, I knew it was going to be right. That was the most prejudiced, most hateful unit I've ever been in. Now you at war. At war. You ain't got time for no prejudice, no hatred. Look here. We, we was in these, these guns, weighed 12,000 pounds, and it's six of them. They split them in half, like three go here and three go here. So they put me over three. And this commander we had, because he come around my area, and we was in a mission, and I said, sir, you have to wait. Till, you don't tell me to wait, I'm the commander here. I said, well, well 
no disrespect to your rank, but you need to go and command and let me run this, this section here. That's the way I was. So he went to the colonel and told him, say, I want that man co-marshal. He was disrespectful to me and blah, blah, blah. And, and he said, what do you do? He told me to get out of his area of operation. And uh, the colonel said, well, did you, uh, did you get out of the area of operation? He said, yeah. I said, well, you did the right thing. <laughs> and right there, just like I cut my throat. Because from then on, every time you got to a hot L, every time you got a hot mission, he sent me. He, he wanted to get rid of you. Yeah. And that's why, that, that's how I got shot. That's how I got wounded. He sent you into... Well, see, the first time I came from Vietnam, I went to Fort Seal, got off a of jump status. So I went to the artillery school and I became an artillery drill sergeant. They teach you survey. They teach you fire direction, a lot of math in that. And they teach you reconnaissance. And they teach you how to, the guns. So they send me to Vietnam as a gun chief. And this guy, every time somebody got wounded, send Gibson to replace him. I say, well, I'm a gun chief. Uh, yeah, but you're cross-trained. You, you know how to do all this other stuff. So they send me up there on the front line. And I'm up there with the infantry, getting shot at just like them. And these other guys three miles back. That's what happened to me. But I couldn't gripe, you know what I mean? But, but, but God still saw fit yeah. that you be here today to tell this story. Yeah. If I'd have been two inches to the right, instead of the bullet going in here, see it hit my ammo pouch, and my, it hit the ammo pouch, went through that, and that slowed it down. It hit, went in my side, and came, came out under here. You know? Under your belly? Yeah, right, right under here. Yeah, and uh, what they did, they cut 180 stitches. They didn't have to cut me because it didn't hit no vile organ. It went on the line. It made, went, it clean, made it clean. Yeah, it went by that far in, but it went straight through. But it clean, made a clean exit. Yeah, and all they had to do was just stuff it and put give morphine or whatever you know until the pain stopped and and um, uh, pilocillum and stuff like that streptomyzer get me well but they cut me in 180 stitches and i got a scar come from here all the way up here you know stuff like that but uh, and they left i left the battlefield i was laying, laying on the ground and i kept hearing they say, we need somebody to come in here and get these people out of here. I got two men that's wounded, and one of them is really in bad shape. And I thought he was talking about me. You know, I thought I was dying because I kept losing conscience, you know, stuff like that. But you can hear them talking. Yeah, well, I can hear them come out. And I uh, say, we can't get nobody in there because the ceiling is too low. It's clouded. And the helicopter hit the trees. They I don't care how you do it. Get these, get my men out of here, you know. So they sent a um, helicopter that carried four people, and he carried loach, they call them, like these little old bell helicopters. And that's the way, that's the way they got me out of there, you know. And they took me to a ship in the South China Sea with a big red cross on it. They called it a hope ship. And that's when they operated on me. You know, 
And they took me from there to Japan, and I got infected. So they sent me from Japan to Walter Reed Army Hospital. Now my wife, she trying to, she trying to connect with me, okay? So as soon as she get to, they sent her to Walter Reed Army Hospital, flew her there. Uh, they sent me to Brooks Army Hospital in uh, San Antonio, Texas. That burn center, because it's close to Baton Rouge. And that's where they worked on me. And she, 10 days, took her 10 days to find out where I was. But you, you went from, from, from Vietnam to, to South China Japan. Sea, to, to Japan, then to San Antonio. No, uh, uh, Walter Reed. Walter Reed. In Washington, D.C. And then, then San Antonio. San Antonio. And and I, stayed, then, I stayed in there a month. My wife was right there with me. That's a good woman. Yeah, and uh, I, I look back at all that, but before that, uh, you're going to see where one night, uh, it was on the 26th, or 27th of, uh, of March, 1969. About one o'clock, I told the people in my squad that I need to go uh, relieve myself. So what I did, I went to relieve myself, and as I was doing it, I heard this, these voices. And when I came out, they was in front of me, but I thought they was CICGs from China that go in in the morning and check things out and come back and tell us about it. So I'm walking behind them, but they were the enemy. You walking behind the enemy? I didn't even know it. I didn't know they were the enemy. So. All of a sudden, one went over here and raised some up by sea lane and put some under there. And I thought it was one of those playing game. And I just kept walking. Over here, this guy went into a place we had about an eight by ten thing where we, they make coffee and chocolate and stuff in. Okay. And, and they keep hot water going. So I said, I'm going to go get some hot water in my cup and make me some chocolate. And as I was approaching, one of the enemy was coming out. Did I say, they got in hot water in there? <laughs> you have, you're having a conversation, huh? Yeah, look. Thank God he couldn't speak English, and, huh? And he ducked. I said, wait a minute. But I had my rifle, you know, my M16. And uh, I said, who is that? He didn't say nothing. You better say something, I'm going to send around over there. But you just can't shoot indiscriminately, you know? Right. So I said, chick, chick. when I did that, he jumped up. And he had an RPG, long like a stick. It's got a thing on the end of it. It's a rocket. And he fired. If he had a rifle, he could kill me. But by the time he got set, that set. Yeah, up. when he set, when he did it, boom, he did it quick. And it missed me about that much. It went over my shoulder and hit the sparks, oh, hit me. But, but he did shoot. shoot yeah, he shot. shot. And I dropped him. But I didn't know at the time that I hit him. I thought I fired one round. I fired something like eight or nine rounds, you know? And I took off. Right when I moved, all these bullets started coming toward me because they knew. They say, hey. If you get back, we're yeah. in trouble. No, what they say is, well, uh, uh, they know we're here now, so we, you know, they didn't worry about shooting. So they were shooting at me, but I was running on an angle. <laughs> and, and every fifth round, up there around it's sort of greenish gray lack, you know? And I could see them just, they were missing me. 
and I ran to this first gun. As soon as I get there, I stopped. Bullets start coming over there, so I moved to, well, you're going to be able to read that on the, right now. <laughs> so, so I get to this other, I got down the hill, a guy shot at me, one of the Americans shot at me with a 45. I said, American, American. He said, man, he said, I almost hit you. I said, I know you did. He said, he said, what's wrong? I said, Charlie in the area, Charlie in the area. What y'all call him? Charlie, you know. Charlie, you know, like Charlie Chain. Okay, that's okay. They the enemy VC. We call him Charlie. But anyway, I say, come on, let's get these gun tunnel, this gun tunnel around, and we shoot some illumination. And I ain't coming out there. You, you better come out there. I'ma shoot somebody. You know. It was at night. Yeah, yeah, it was at night, by one o'clock in the morning. Oh, so man. I say, that's okay. Don't try to turn the, the gun weighs 12,000 pounds. It, it is on a pedestal. Two men can turn it around. But I say, no, don't turn it around. See, I, load, I put two, t two seconds on the fuse, and I picked it up a 100, 100 pound round. And I shoved it in there and put some charge in there and put a primer, elevated, boom, poof, daylight. Oh, we got your ass now. <laughs> that create daylight? Yeah, well, it's it's for three minutes. It's just like just like daylight. You uh, know. Illuminates the Illumination. You you, you you I got all that in okay. there. But anyway, uh then I say, man, I looked over there, you could see them. I mean like and they see what happened, they had sent the advanced party in there to get a to to set charges in our ammunition. And once that's done, they were gonna come in on us. But but y'all didn't have no one guard in that area. Well, they had people. You can't. Those people, they 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 watch you. You know what I mean? And they'll crawl up right close to you. And then as soon as they hit you, they come in on you fast. So I stopped fire. They got a round they call has sixty grenades in them, and they call it CICD something like that. Yeah, it it it's a they call them firecracker rounds. And you fire it, it'll go up in whatever time you have, like the two seconds, go one thousand, two thousand, boof, and it kicked the butt plate out and all that stuff. Got little wings on it and they'll spread out by wide as this house or two times wide as this house, and they'll come down and when they hit the ground they'll bounce up about five feet and boom. If you within ten feet of one of them it'll kill you. So I fired ten of those rounds. Ten? Yeah, I killed fifteen of them. The next day, he called everybody out there. The mess sergeant and his cook, they killed one. I killed 15. They got up to the mess sergeant, they gave him the silver star. They got up to me, they gave me the bronze star with V for, for heroism. You see, because I was black. Twice, I was supposed to get the cross, twice. The second highest medal that you can give an American. And twice they gave me the bronze star with V. I got two with V, and I, I had five bronze stars, but two with V for heroism. Now you fighting for this country. And then fight for this country. I'm telling you, I was the most abused, administratively, I was the most abused soldier that you would ever find in the United States Army, and still I'm not bitter. Because first of all, what God got for you, man can't take it away. You see what I'm saying? And he gave me my life, you know. He, he let me live to save a hundred and some people because if 
if that guy would have killed me with that RPG when he fired at me, you wouldn't have been able to find anything because that's, that thing destroyed tanks, you see. But the thing is, I saved all those people. And I didn't get any kind of award for it but that Brown Star with V. But to me, that's fine because when I got that purple heart, that's something that you have to earn. Nobody can give you that. And they can't take it away. The Purple Heart was established in 1782 as the first medal that the United States ever had. And I got it, you know. It's a medal that everybody would like to have, but nobody want to earn it. <laughs> I earned mine. And right now, I live good, you know what I mean? I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty well educated. Uh, I have a beautiful family. My children are very successful. One, one uh, in the medical field, and the other one, uh, he's an electrical engineer. You got, you got two children, two Lisa. Children. I had three. That one over there, he killed himself. But it didn't bother me. You know why? Because I did everything I could for him when he was alive. He went to Afghanistan with the Marines. I told him, I say, hey, look, I have nothing against service, but if you want, don't go to the Marine. Go to the Navy or the Air Force or something like that. Because the Marine, they're gonna, they're gonna give you a gun and take your mind, you know? And they're gonna make you believe that you're the toughest thing in the world and you are no different than anybody else. It's an individual, have nothing to do with what branch of service you're in. So he joined the Marine and he never got straight. He hung himself in the, in the shower. 20, 47 years old. What was his name? His name was Roosevelt. That was your oldest. That's my youngest. And when I go, I go to his grave about three times a year, and I see my name there. You know? But the thing is, God ain't going to put no more on you than you can have. Every day, every day that I wake up is a day of joy. No matter what's going on in this country or whatever, because whatever I want, you know, I work for it, and I get it, and nobody's going to take it away from me either. You see what I'm saying? That's the way I am. I'm a giving person. I love people. And I try to help people that, even if they never done anything for me, I try to help them. But the thing is, it just, it's just like that. Everybody have a rendezvous with destiny. Everybody. But everybody was put here for a reason. And I think... When, when, when I've done everything that God put me here for, then he could take me away. Hey, that's it. I'm okay. If I died today, I could still say, if I could be anybody else, who would you want to be? And Roosevelt Gibson. You see what I'm saying? It's not where you've been. It's where you're going. Until you breathe your last breath, you still have a chance to do something that you've never done before that is positive. See what you're doing here? You, you may think it's just a routine thing that you're doing, interviewing people and bringing history forward, but that's greater than, that's greater than some people that are in Congress or something, to me, you know? And it may not be that to you because you might say, well, it's just something I do to help people and stuff like that and, and keep history alive, but you're doing a great thing. 
Thank you, Mr. Rowan. Yeah, yeah, I'm telling you, you know, and, 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 and uh, see, people look, look at the wrong thing for what they should be doing or what they want to be and stuff like that. Be comfortable with yourself until you see something that there that you don't want to be there, then you change it. If you can't change it, ain't nothing you can do about it. See? Like, like, like me, you know, I came up, all I had was a friend, was a dog, you know, but I made it. I didn't march across the stage with the people that I was going to school with before I got put out, but they found me and begged me to come to their reunion and be a part of their reunion. And they always get me up to speech. And the last speech I gave, say, no, I didn't march across the stage with you, but I made it. Mm. You see, and, and just like you, you played football for LSU. How many people that didn't get that chance? You know, it could open doors for you too. You know, now, now and sometimes doors that open for you it's shut, but there's another path is somewhere else, you know? It, it, it's, you don't give up because one door is shut on you, or you one uh, something downgraded you over here, then you can make it up over here, you know? It may be, you may be one year before you, you leave this earth, and all of a sudden something come up that you done done. That is great. You know, when, when you told me that you did that, that thing on uh, the inventions of black people? No, I didn't do it. I said friend of mine. I do it by Oh, oh okay, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, anyway, stuff like that. But even, even, you know, I read some of your interviews, you know, you sent me some of those interviews. That's great. You know, as a matter of fact, I'm telling you, you're the first black person. <laughs> you're the first black person that I've ever had the opportunity to talk to in an interview. Now they got them, you know. Well, you the first one here in Baton Rouge that I've that I've got them. You know, I've been interviewed before, but not, not like, you know, you know, just on the camera for the news. You know, like right. every 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 Veterans Day, they they come here, they they see me. You know, even I was on the news when uh, that night after. You know, when you saw me. Right for the, uh, well, that night on the six o'clock news, people come. Hey, you know, I saw you on the news, and uh. The, uh, the last thing I told that guy, he said, well, what you think about it? And I said, well, better late than never. That's what I told him. <laughs> uh, that, that, that's that, uh, <clears throat> that, that, that monument. Yeah, that, yeah, that monument. And that newsman, uh, can I interview you? And I said, yeah. yeah. And he started asking me some stuff, what I think about this and that. And that. He said, well, oh, don't you think it was a, a should have been done long ago? I look at him. I say better late than never. I wanted to say, man, that was the law then, you know, and it was gonna continue until the law is changed. And Martin Luther King helped change the law. The law was to keep you segregated. You know what I mean? That was the law of the land, and even the people that they didn't condone it, but they didn't condemn it either. Silent, silent is consent, huh? It was part, and right now they're trying to get it back because they lost the power. You know, this is taking over. 
This is the strongest blood in the world right here. Blood of color. Because once you got one sixteenth of a thousand of it in you, you're no longer white. Okay, that, that's, that's what they say. They wrote that law. <laughs> now they can't change it. They and, wrote that law. But not only the decree, I'm jumping to this, not only the decree the, the history that I have, but my great, my great, great, great grandmother and great grandmother was born right here in Smithfield Plantation. You got that history. Yeah, I got it. I got it. So you 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 got that's three generation of people. Yeah, well look, yeah. All the way back to seven um um Baptiste Slaughter from Haiti. He was born in seventeen hundred. That's my great 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 grandfather. That's four times great. Yeah. And you got his information. So you can, so you trace both sides of your family yeah, back to yeah, Haiti. Yeah. Haiti? Now see, my name spelled G I P S O N, right? Mm -hmm. Because my grandmother, I didn't get my birth certificate until 1988. <laughs> I had all these top secrets and everything. You can't do it now, but in 1988, that's when I got my birth certificate. Because they say, you know, you're getting close to Social Security time. You see, so I went and got my my birth certificate, but. I didn't meet my father, my biological father, till I was 10. And what was his name? But G-I-B-S-O-N. But I never saw how they spelled their name. Nobody wrote me letters and stuff like that. And I was going by, G because during the census report when I was a little boy, they asked my grandmother, say, what's his name? She said, Gypsum. That's where she stopped. Oh, okay. So they wrote G-I-P because gypsy can be spelled G-I-P-S-Y or G-Y-P-S. You see what I'm saying? Oh, it's a gypsy. Yeah, gypsum. G-I-P accent. Not Gibson. It was like gypsum. Okay. I'm a, my biological dad is a gypsum, okay? But with a B. Yeah, but... They changed my name with a P because of the way my grandmother spoke, okay? Because she spoke French. So when I got ready, watch your glasses, don't, don't sit on your glasses. So when I got ready, when I got, when I, in 88, when I got my birth certificate, I didn't change my name and my wife's name and my children's name because of my, my sperm donor, you know what I mean? He never done anything for me. He never gave me a penny. You see, so but but when people ask me, say you got some brothers and sisters, yeah, I have some brothers, and I tell them who they are. And most of them are dead now, but but I tell them. But you who, know? who 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 are they? Your, uh, your brother, half brother, your brother and sister. Okay, uh, my brother and sister, they came from Alston, Louisiana. Okay, my daddy, my dear, my my biological daddy's name was Samuel Gibson. Okay, so Samuel G I B S O N. But I didn't know that uh, until I was 10. But I didn't know how he spelled his name. Because my grandmother and them with French background raised me, and that's where they went by. When I went to school, kindergarten, everything, G-I-P-S-O-N. 
So, so when your mom got married, when, his, when the other man came back, your mom sent you to your to your grandmother. Uh, uh, she sent me to London. London. And then they came and got me. My grandparents came and got me. You see? But your own mom sent you to London. Yes, because she had to work in New Orleans. She she had to work, okay? And and uh, she uh, she was married to a guy named Lloyd, L-L-O-Y-D. And now, what's your mom's name was? My mom's name was Eva. First name, Eva. Uh, her last name was Hunt before she got married. Oh, Eva Hunt. Oh. Yeah. And all the Hunt, Hunt is a made-up name also. They was an Underwood. But what happened, he killed two of the former slaves, and they killed the plantation man they were trying to, um, he, was, he became a sharecropper in Virginia, and they tried to take his horse because his crop didn't do good. So they came to beat him or something, and he killed, I don't know whether he killed one or two, but my grandfather was telling me about it. And he came to Munganza, and that's when <coughs> they used to work with him. He met Harriet Brown. She, she was in the paper too. I got the paper that they wrote about her, Harriet Brown. And now, 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 who was Harriet Brown? That's my great grandmother oh, okay. on my on the Hunt side, right. not the Gibson side. On your side. mama's side. Yeah, the, uh, yeah. On my mom, that's my mama grand. My mama dad was a Hunt. Okay. See, and I got all that, all the paper. Just like, see, see up in that corner over there. Uh, you see a paper, two pages on me. When I moved over here, they found out I was here. So the Riverside Reader. They, they wrote about me in, in Hamburg Hill. Why, because they're talking about... Uh, yeah, about, okay. so it's a lot of stuff. Well, same thing, before you leave, I'm gonna show you the paper I got clipping on my great-great-grandmother that was born over here in Smithfield Plantation. They interviewed her, one of her sisters before she died, she was a hundred and some years old, and she told them about all this stuff. Really, you know, it, it just, that's, that's powerful to have that type of history. Yeah, <clears throat> it, it, it's uh, and it just a, a, a lot of a lot of history here, and it's so much to talk about, and you can't cover everything in one day. And what I would like to do with, with you is have you come one day and you could look around and ask questions about a certain thing, and then you can get an idea before you can put it up. You could write about what you know, okay. you know, uh, because it's just you got so much history. Man, I've been through so much you wouldn't believe, and it, it wasn't all pleasant. You know what I mean? I had a hard life. I mean, but how do how you say that? Like you said earlier, what what you did, what you do realize, and what you have realized in life. And that's what we all should realize. Yeah, now, it's not what you're going through; yeah, it's right. what you're going to. That's right. It's not what happened back then. It's what what you're capable of doing yeah. now because of what happened back right, then. Right. See, it was all preparing you, like preparing you for Thank war. You. You, preparing you, know, you right there. You was you was telling me part of your history, and you didn't even realize about when you joined football, and you didn't realize until you did this and you uh, did that. You see, people didn't realize what you were capable of doing until you started doing it. See, you got so much potential in you. Because so every, you know, every man and woman. Yeah. And, and it's just like 
you have a, a lot of potential that you haven't even used yet. And, and a lot of times you don't know what it is until you start doing something. I never took, I never took woodwork. Look what I built. This. Gun rack. All this stuff. I never took industrial art. This, people say you cannot innate this. But don't you believe that. You can, your father and people like that could do things and it'll come right through your blood some kind of way, you know? It, it, they say that's impossible, but hey, they believe in other things that they can't see. Why can't they believe in that? You see what I'm saying? I, if you, I don't know who invented that word, can't. Drop that T. You know, just, just forget about that word. C-A-N. You can do anything. But, but you know, that's, <clears throat> I remember one time I was, uh, oh, no, looking at the movie, I understand. And they used the word similar to Kent. They used the word, <clears throat> uh, this man of European descent was talking to this African. And uh, he was supposed to have this meeting going on. He was supposed to met with the U.S. president yeah. to help them to resolve the issue and send them back to Africa. Mm -hmm. And the guy of European descent told the African, well, we're going to try. He looked at him and said, what, what, what is that? He said, well, we're going to try. And he, he looked at the other Africans. We don't know what that means. Yeah. There's no word in our language. Yeah, try. That try or can't. Mm -hmm. Either you're going to do it or you're not. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> There's no in-between. That's right. You know, you know, you know it, 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 just like me. Now, you had these guys, they were strong and strong looking and stuff like that. And then when the, when the battle start, everybody running to be with me. I had a commander say, I don't want that man, I want you to take that man out of my unit. See why? See, because he taking over my unit. He, uh, the people follow him more than they follow me. Because it was something about me. You're a leader, born leader. Well, the thing is, when they be playing cards or something like that, I'd be studying some kind of way. Like, I invented Killer Jr. Here this round, 110 pounds, and you put a charge on it, and you, the bursting rate is at 150, 50 meters. That means if you're standing up 150 meters around, and it's gonna kill you, okay? 150 meters, that's like four, five football fields. Yeah, yeah, so, so what I do, I found a way to shoot that round with two seconds on it without killing anybody behind it. When, when the butt plate go 800 meters behind it. 800 meters? Yeah. Nobody would shoot it but me. <laughs> I put two seconds on this round and I shoot it out that tube. And they say, how could you do that? You know, you're going to kill somebody. I said, no. But I wouldn't tell them. But I tell you, when you shoot a heavy round like that with a low charge is slow. So when you shoot two seconds at two seconds, it starts going towards the ground. When, it, when the nose goes towards the ground, the butt plate go up, right? So that's 45 degrees. So when it explodes, this going over your head. Oh, because it's already projected yeah. to go over your head. And nobody don't know how I did it. <laughs> nobody would shoot it. And when I left the unit, they got overrun. 32 people got killed. Soon you left. 
soon as I left. Because I used, to, I used to shoot those killer juniors. And they kept people awake. Kept people awake. And right now, if you go, you're on YouTube, this lieutenant was talking about me. They say, out of all the people that you served with in combat, he say, who would you, uh, if you had to go in combat again, which we say, First Sergeant Roosevelt B. Gibson. He say, he say he was my smoke man. We call him the judge. You know, that was my, that was my war name, the judge. You know, that, that got to be that had to make yeah. you that brought a smile to your yeah. I'm gonna give you the I'm gonna give you the website, and you can look on YouTube for these two. You could hear him talk about me. His name is Tanga, and you could uh, you could uh, when they interviewed me, you see the interview where they uh, West Point interviewed me. It's on YouTube. West Point interviewed you. Yeah. Why Why West Point interview you? Because I because. I created this round, Killer Junior, on a one five five. You know, now if I'd have been white, they'd have gave me some kind of mail or some kind. Of, you know, you know, got, you know. I say, don't give me nothing. Just send me home. You let me go home. You know? Well, you know, I do a lot of stuff. You know that a lot of people don't. Uh, they don't. You know. But but the, but. Yes, dear, no matter how much you do, we do, mm -mm. nobody won't give us credit for that. Henry Johnson. It took a hundred and some years for him to get the Congressional Medal of Honor. If it wasn't for Obama, he wouldn't have got it. Henry Johnson captured 32 Germans. He killed three with the bayonet. And they told the French people they would not let white America fight under the under the uh, French flag, they sent black soldiers in World War One, and they told the French people, "Do not treat them too good, because they're going to want to be treated like that when they go back to America." And that's the way it is. There's a place that they they decided for us, and we had to stay in that place. You see what I'm saying? But we had a God sent us somebody to help us get out of that place, and that was Martin Luther King. We got out of that place, and we don't want to go back there, and we won't go back there, you know, because you got people like me. If I could fight for another, uh, fight for people in Vietnam that, that wasn't of this country, I knew I could fight for my people. Now, when you go into combat, you go in with this, this type of mindset in my great-great-grandfather taught me that. It's not whether or not you get killed. It's who you take with you. So in other words, you might die. That's right. If I'm going to die, I want to get 10 to 20 of you with me. And I ain't going by myself. That's right. I ain't going by myself. You see what I'm saying? Because David was a warrior. You know? And, and the thing is, Everybody have a rendezvous with a rendezvous. Everybody have a meeting place. But how are you gonna go there? Are you gonna go there as a coward? Are you gonna go there with courage? With you know, your destiny. That word destiny is something. You know, that's courage. You know? A lot of people walk around here with all them ribbons on their, their chest, them officers and stuff like that. It was given to them. 
You know, you could get, you can get the Congressional Medal of Honor, and 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 never been wounded, but you cannot get the Purple Heart. You know, without, without, without having some kind of, you got to be so you killed. You got to be killed or wounded in combat. And I'm telling you, that's the way it is. I'm telling you, it, it, in in a. Uh, when I look through this right here, a lot of stuff I have in this thing here. I'm that, looking at all this stuff life, here. You know, this, and I say, this kind of stuff here, I keep this to look at it. I come up here sometime, I look at things, and I ask myself, did you really go through that? You know? Because it don't seem like I've been through this kind of stuff. You know? And, and uh... I had to fight for everything I have, even my disability. It took me nine years to get my disability. Hold on now, hold on. Huh? You had to fight to get your disability? My disability. You? I, I'm 100% disabled now from the, from the VA, but I had to fight for it because I'm a type of person. I did things because I was a soldier, and somebody tell me to do it, and you go out there and do it. It took four to five years to get the presidential unit citation. Cassidy gave it to me. They wouldn't mail it to me. Uh, but they, they asked me, were you really in Vietnam? Uh, uh, you really fought on Hamburger Hill? Four to five years they found out that I was there. That's why I got wounded. I'm telling you, man. Hold on there. Look, I said, I put in, I tried to upgrade it to a silver star. They would not give it to me, even though you're going to read in there the letters and stuff officers wrote on me, you know, telling what I did. But that still wasn't enough. That wasn't enough. You see what I'm saying? It, 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 they, they, why people won't deny us of everything? Because, because, first of all, you don't get the civil star if you're black. Unless you really, they can't keep it away from you. The reason is because it puts you in a situation where you might try to run for office. You see what I'm saying? It empowers you. Yeah, yeah. That's what they try to do. Because uh, uh, Joe Jenkins, he got the Civil Star, but he had a black commander. Joe Jenkins had a company? Uh no, Joe Jenkins uh, uh, from... Uh, he, uh, he ran for councilman, but he didn't make yeah, it. In Baton Rouge? Yeah, yeah. Joe yeah. Jenkins got yeah. Silver Star. I didn't know that. But his officer was black, his commander. I did more than Joe Jenkins, but I didn't get the Silver Star. They gave it to, to the guy who was standing next to me. He was a mess sergeant, a cook. And when he got to me, and I said, what? Oh, we ran out. I said, oh, hell with it, you know, because it was just a piece of, I didn't fight it. It was a piece of cloth to me, you know. Yeah, but, yeah, but you deserve it. I yeah, think. but see, to me. But, but we, we, we need to make sure you get that silver. Yeah, but I'm telling you, man, I'm telling you. Uh, you got the, the only, see, that's what Obama did with Henry Johnson. He he saw that, hey, this guy here, if you you read everything, what I did, you say, this guy should have got more than that. And, and when you read what some of them officers wrote about me, you'll see. 
It, it ain't nothing you said about yourself. No. It's what, your, what people who, who was there with you wrote about That's you. what I did. And see, I've had people to go online and look, uh, he say he made a combat jump, or he ain't made no combat jump. But where I get that certificate from? In the, in the manifest, you know, the manifest, uh, the manifest is, uh, don't lie. You know, they got me on the manifest. Guy came to me and said, you know what? Uh, you did make that jump. I said, well, what, you, what are you talking about? He said, uh, I looked it up online and, uh, and you was on the manifest. I said, what, what you took online for? Well, I didn't believe that. Uh, well, it, it doesn't matter, you know what I mean? It's no big thing. But, but, but how, many, how, many, how many people look like you was part of that? Uh, what do you call that? Well, on paratroopers, I'm going to tell you, in Vietnam, even though the blacks were about 12% of the pop uh, population in the United States, they had more black percentage-wise fighting in Vietnam than white. Well, we do know that. Yeah. Yeah. See, they, 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 they had them to fly planes in North Vietnam, shot down and all that stuff, prisoners of war. But... Once the war was over, they got rid of them and put them white boys back in jail. Put them back in jail. That's what it is. See, and right now, blacks are smarter. Just like, I made sure that monkey, I tried to keep him from going in the military. But my oldest son listened to me and my daughter. You know, hey, y'all ain't gonna, I done done enough fighting for all y'all. You, know, <laughs> you gotta go fight for no, nobody. No, 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 uh -uh. You said here, and get the uh, uh, get some freebies, you know. Yeah, because you got your, your yeah. daughter Lisa. What she does? It, 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 I'm gonna give you an example. Me and my wife, young wife, was going to Fort Sill, and when I got to Georgia, I was so sleepy, I couldn't. I had a '57 Chevrolet. I shifted it '57 for it, and I pulled over on the side and was sleeping. And these police came and knocked on my window. He said. What you doing here? I said, trying to get some rest, officer. Uh, 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 yeah, where you going? I'm going to North Carolina. Uh, and I say, uh, I started falling asleep on the wheel and uh, I need some rest. He said, well, you can't rest here. And I told him I was a soldier going in front of him. They made me move. You find a park somewhere, uh, you, you can't. And that's the way it was. You're a soldier, but you ain't nobody. Soldier, still didn't care, you know. You can fight our battle, you can fight our battle, but you cannot reap the benefits. Look, look I'm from a little small town called Franklin, Louisiana. <clears throat> yeah. And uh, I was I was out there one day reading the signs that the, uh, that they got posted out there, and I want to know how the name Franklin came about, right? Mm -hmm. Well, in there they, they talk about the Germans who came and had a camp out there. They wouldn't let the black even sit with them. But they, they treated the Germans, the enemy, better than they treated the, the black. Uh, the us that was who was who was here. That's right. Fighting on your behalf. Do you and know? They named, they named Franklin after huh? Franklin Frankfurt, Germany. That's right. Well, look, <laughs> look. Let me tell you, Fort Polk. They kept prisoners of war there. The black soldiers 
was gods. Do you know that they could not eat with the, with the uh, white prisoners of the war that were going to Fort Polk? That's right. That's right. In, 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 then, let's go back to the Civil War. Uh, 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 Port Hudson. Port Hudson. They, the, uh, black, uh, the blacks took over uh, 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 when they were battling Port Hudson. I got an article. The blacks was the one that took Port Hudson. But they sick 300 war dogs on them, some Calahula dogs, to fight them. That's what they did. And after the war, the people from the North, the Union, they say, okay, we don't want the war. We're going to name all these forts after, after the Confederate soldiers. You can put all the statues you want, Confederate statues. We're going to build you back up mentally, but the blacks going to be below you. And they left these blacks here. There's a place up there in Mississippi on the other side of a, what is that? Uh, Port Biloxi? No, no. It's going, going, going north. Uh, it's on the other side of a... Jackson? Macomb? They got a casino up there, a Caprice Casino up there in Mississippi. You go straight up Scenic Highway. Natchez? Natchez. There's a place, you ever hear of the, the Devil's Punch Bowl? I heard, I'm not familiar with Okay, after the Civil War, the Union took all the men from 18 to 38 years old. They took them to cover up bunkers and to get rid of ordnance that didn't explode. They left all the, the wives and mothers and fathers up there in a, something like a, a camp. They wouldn't feed these people. They wouldn't, they wouldn't give them a place to get clean and stuff like that. So disease started taking over. 20,000 of those people died. Would they look like us? Yeah in Natchez, and they got a monument there. They got fruit trees in Natchez that is bear fruit every year that they won't eat because it come from the slave, the people that died bodies where they had ate. I, I heard about that. See, go to YouTube and look for the Devil, Devil's Punch Bowl. It'll tell you all about it. Now that, that, that's talking about that fork in the road too? Something about a fork in the road? Yeah. yeah. Just, just look up Devil's Punch Bowl. Devil Punch Bowl. Yeah, that's all you have to put in a, uh, in a white lady. The white lady was, uh, she was telling about it. You know, it, 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 it's, it's terrible. It, it's worse than what happened to the people in Oklahoma. You know, but uh, it, it, it's, uh, it's everyday thing. And the only thing, only way you can make it on this earth is by solidarity. You get together, a cohesive togetherness, you can make it. But if you separate, divide and conquer, you'll never make it. And that's what's happening right now. You got, you got some people, you, you, you have the town hall meeting. If you have a town hall meeting, a lot of us won't even go. Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. You know, you know, stuff like that. But I know, I know 
I uh, I move around a lot when I talk, but you got to keep me on track because you know you're doing great. You're doing great. I have so much in my mind sometimes till I I just okay. Now you now, now you want to also now your grandfather when you when you so many of your, all your grand, but your great for Jerome uh, uh, Jerome Dequee. Now he fought. He fought. He fought the Civil War. He fought the Civil War. Yeah. And he fought in the no. He fought the Civil War. Now you had, who who did some of your family fought in the in the uh, Port Allen? Okay, Jerome Dequee, He was an engineer. He fought in uh, uh, Port Hudson. Port Hudson. I mean, yeah. Hudson. Yeah. Fought the Port Hudson War. Yeah, Port Hudson. But um, also uh, in there. Well, no, I don't know whether I put in there. I'm gonna show you before you leave. On each one of when my great great grandfather when they fought in the Civil War, I got the, I got them on the wall. They tell everywhere they fought. Every place they fought, they got it on it. You know, and uh, the way I got that is on uh, Washington D.C. There's a African American uh, Civil War memorial. And everybody, they got a wall. And everybody that fought in the Civil War, they own that wall. And, and if, if you were born here in Louisiana, and, and you got, uh, you know who your grandfather, your, your great-grandfather, you can just trace it. I guarantee you, because everybody, a lot of these people were leaving, leaving the slaves, running away from their masters, and joining the Union Army. You see, and that's what happened. So most people, most people fought, you know. I bet you in the money, if you were born here in Louisiana, you got, got uh, uh, somebody fought in the Civil War, akin uh, to you, see. But you got to know the last name, and you got to know, and, and you got to know the first name and stuff like that, you know. Yeah, you, got, you got to know the, yeah. the, that, that basic information. Mm -hmm. Now, see, the way I trace my, uh, one of my great-great-great-great-grandfather back to the 1700s is a death certificate. My, my great-grandmother my great lives a long time in the 80s. She, was, she, 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 she lived to get 80-something. So when she died, they put her daddy's name on there. And then he found his birth certificate, he put his daddy's name on there. And that's the way I found out. See, I have my great grandmother, my great great grandmother uh, marriage license. I have my all of them, my grand, all my great grandfather marriage license, all of them. I got all that stuff. You got your history in place. Yeah, you know, because you know, I, I uh, me and a cousin of mine, we got together. Well, we call him cousin, you know, that, that, that's French. Well, what yeah. that means? Yeah, cousin. Oh, cousin, oh, cousin. Yeah, yeah cousin. I, th I thought cousin meant food. People say No, no, no. <laughs> it's no, cousin. Cousin, yeah, cousin. Oh, okay, yeah. cousin. What about cousin? What's that, cousin? Yeah. Cousin yeah. means cousin, cousin. But I'm, I'm free anytime. I'm not working. Uh, I'm retired off of two jobs, so. <laughs> two jobs? What, what, what the two jobs? Are? Well, I taught school for 23 years. Where you taught it? Uh, Bel Air High School. Oh, in Baton Rouge. Oh, in yeah. Scotlandville. I was able to uh, meet the principal that put me out of school, uh, Mr. Patty, from Scotlandville. And uh, uh, he retired three months after I 
started working at Scotland, I taught there for two years. He remembered you? Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, I made him remember me. And uh, every day he passed me, he'd say, unbelievable. You never tell a person what they can't do, you know, because they might make you out a liar, you know, a liar. You know, you just, you, you never tell a person that you'll never be this and never be that, because you don't know, you don't know what road they're going to take after they pass you, you know, that's just the way it is. Now, now how many brothers, you have to, how many brothers and sisters you have? How many what? Brothers and sisters you have. Oh, well, on my mother's side, I had a brother, one brother and one sister, both of them dead. What was their name? Uh, Genevieve and Sam. Uh, Geneva died uh, about a year ago, and uh, she was in her 80s. And Sam, he died, he was 55, he died quite a while ago, you know, so. But. Uh, that's on your, on your mama's side, on your dad's yeah, side. Yeah, mama's right? side, and, and right now, you know, on my, on my, on my grandmother's side from Haiti, I don't have hardly anybody here, I can't. Yeah, I got some distant cousins, you know, but I don't know them that well, you know, stuff like that. And you never really knew your dad's side of the family then? Okay, on my daddy's side, we're looking at about 10, but most of them dead now, you know, because they, a lot, all the guys are gone. I'm the last son on my daddy's side because they didn't do as well as I did. Now, who, now, what was your dad's name again? Ro, Ro, uh, Samuel Gibson. Samuel Gibson. Okay. Uh, uh, he had he had about ten children, and uh, one one of my sisters got killed at sixteen in an accident, but the rest of them still alive. But all the boys are dead because they had a rough life. Mm. They drank hard and they. Ran hard, and some of them had used drugs and stuff like that. So, well, you know, you know to say all you went through and you not on drugs, no, or alcoholic, uh, that's, no, that's, I, I, I get high off a living. I, mean, I can tell. I yeah, can see, tell. and uh, uh, my my mission was to build a legacy. You know, and you don't have to become just. A, Become a doctor to be able to build a, a positive legacy. You could just be. You could just work. You know. Well, that's that's what you are, you are one of. Yeah. They, you you are count one of count time living legends. Yeah. And uh, I retired from the school system. He's and I retired from the army with twenty years. See? Twenty years of service. Twenty years of service. And got out. Went into the school system. Retired. And. Uh, Yes, you know, I'm still here, thank God, but, yeah, I find, and I, I help a lot of people, you know, they need things. I'm a, I'm a jack of all trades, master of none. I, you know, I build, I can fix plumbing. Yeah, yeah, and you, you built your grandchildren a, a shack. That yeah, you, yeah, I got to show you that. That you call a she shack. She shack, I got to show well, you that. Now, now why, why she shack? What that supposed to be? Because uh, it's like a man cave. Uh, uh, so it's not, it's not a, so it's a she shack. For, yeah, yeah. For, for the girls, girl, just the girls. Boys can't go. <laughs> now the thing is, just for your granddaughter. It, it have air conditioning and surround sound. Air conditioning and surround sound. Yeah. Oh, they live in large. I got to show it to. It is beautiful inside. You know, everything cypress inside. It just, you know, it just, just like that floor. 
your grand your grandchildren, your granddaughters they, they, enjoy. They, they love it, man. So you must not have any boys, did they? They come here. Uh, well, they got some boys, but they gonna see. I believe like this: boys, it's certain things you do for boys. You take boys all the way, but girls, you gotta take them further than you would a boy for them. You know, just like the first car. I don't believe in just buying a car for my son. I say, okay, you get your little job, you get your car, and I'll help you pay for it, or I'll get you in a situation where you get a little loan and get a little cheap car, the first car, and, and when you pay me back on that, then you can get another car, you can establish your loan, you know what I mean? Good. Nobody gave me a car, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you know? But my daughter, my daughter now, when she when she finished high school, I got her a car. Now why you done that for her then? No, I ain't do it for no boy. <laughs> you know, because they, I came up hard. You know what I mean? Where your daughter? And look what you know by coming up hard like I did. Look at me. You see what I'm saying? If if someone would have just given me stuff like that. I probably wouldn't be where I am today. Because you appreciate it, everything. Now. You got appreciation. When I joined the Army, I was getting seven, eight dollars a month. Seven, eight dollars a, a month. month. People you, kicking me in my butt for seven, eight dollars a month. And fifty-five dollars for a parachute. But I got that fifty-five dollars. <laughs> so you almost doubled your pay. <laughs> Uh, you almost doubled your pay. Yeah, indeed. Uh, so you became a parachute parachute yeah. just to get that fifty five dollars. Yeah, and the thing is, uh, you know, like I said, I don't have any family here, so I adopted my wife's family and my mother in law. Everybody thinks she's my mama. You know, they thought she was my mama. What's your mother in law name? Uh, Xavier Jones. She's that's, that's Karen's. That's Karen's uh, mother, but. You know, she was with me all the way. You know, when I went to Vietnam, I left, left my wife here so she can go to Southern and stuff like that. And but it sounds like your mother-in-law, she said she tricked you too. Yeah, 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 yeah look, she tricked me into marrying you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait, wait, go ahead, one question. Can your wife but, cook? Can Karen cook? Yeah, but at the bit, oh boy, she can, she can throw down. So she can cook now? Oh yeah, she can throw. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I'd like to thank you and uh, for being here today, uh, Mr. Roosevelt, that well, I'm truly uh, honored and thankful to be sitting here in your presence, allowing me to come in your home out here in Bush, Bush, Bush Louisiana. Uh, I appreciate you and thank you. Welcome. Thank you for being here on Count Time. Well, I thank you also for coming. It's an honor. And I hope it's not your last visit. You don't have to wait to interview me. Just come, come and we sit down and talk. And you could, I could really tell you more things and stuff like that, but maybe after you read some of the stuff that I gave you in that packet, you might want to talk to me again, you know, ask some questions. Man can shackle the hand, man can shackle the feet, but only you can shackle the mind. The mind is free to travel wherever you dare to take it. Welcome to Count Time Podcast.